You're listening to Podcast BXN, a video game podcast delivering player experience news. Let's go! Hello, welcome to Podcast PXN Player Experience News, episode 124, not 142. <laughs> Look at that. We made it how many seconds in before I, I goofed it? <laughs> um, I am your host today for the first and probably last time, uh, Gage Dempster, <laughs> aka Gilbo Biggins on Twitter, aka one half of the Men and Gitch podcast, and today's uh, host of the show. I'm joined by the creator of the show, Dan, is DTM on Twitter. Well, You're the creator, are you not? You gave me eyebrows. Are you the creator? <laughs> like, is sure. this your show? Am I supposed to be here <laughs> at all? Should I take credit for it? I don't know. I'm... Absolutely. No. It's either your show or it's Sean's show. So No, <laughs> you, it's you not. One. It's okay, definitely Sean's not Sean's show. Sean's show. <laughs> uh, I am also joined uh, by the Nintendo aficionado, Roshan, a.k.a. Roro on Twitter. Roshan, how are you? Oh, what? Wow. I'm joining you guys live from the history region. I can't wait to guys talk to you guys about all the Pokemon of Kawat. This is only a visual gag, because <laughs> anybody who's listening has no idea what I'm talking about. But uh, I'm joining you live from the history region. Can't wait to talk about what is you it, got from. Isn't it super dangerous there? Are you not, I don't. Yeah. It doesn't look like you're keeping an eye out yeah. for any. It looks like there's actually a giant falcon behind you or something. This is just my dedication to the podcast. <laughs> I could be mauled at any moment. There's. It's terrifying, honestly. Uh, you're welcome. What a man. What an absolute <laughs> legend. Uh, topic of the show tonight, ladies and gents, is um, Sony purchasing a certain studio by the name of Bungie, which what? is uh, pretty interesting. We've got some uh, things to talk about there. Um, but first, we start off every show with some quick bites, which is just a tiny little piece of information that we may or may not have things to say about, so we'll just speed through them, and if anything catches our fancy, we shall discuss. So, numero uno. Uncharted. We might be getting another one, Paul. Oh, let's go. Possibly not. Probably not anytime soon, but maybe. Um, so this one uh, is coming from an interview with Games Radar. Sean Eskeg, I'm going to assume that's how you pronounce his last name. Probably not. Uh, creative director of Uncharted uh, stated that the internet the studio is open to making more Uncharted games in the future. Um, quote, I think we can say for certain that we can never say never. Yeah, Uncharted is a franchise we love, that the studio loves. It's a world we want to see more of, so I can certainly say that. Um, this is in quick bites because I feel like it's kind of um, obvious, I think. Like, they'll get, they'll get back to Uncharted at some point. I, I, don't, I don't think that's going anywhere, but... Um, Naughty Dog is open to returning to Uncharted at some point. So what that looks like, those. Give us, yeah. give us another one just so they can kill off Nathan Drake and piss Daniel what? off. No. <laughs> oh, okay. You, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> you see what I'm doing there. You've got, a, you've got an act for grind. I'm trying to get my auto focused. It's not. I need to figure oh, out what's going on with this camera. Oh, wow. <laughs> this I is going whole... Oh, there we go. I will never say no to more uncharted I, I love that series and i but i think i love nod dog more and what i want most from them is a new ip and i think whatever they do next that is new will be fantastic but i'll never say no to more last of us never say no to more uncharted so bring it on but i'm i can't wait until their next new thing uh, right. after the last of us and uncharted 
which is rumored to is it, I think the rumor right now is that it's something fantasy uh, oriented, right? I think was yeah, the either fantasy or sci-fi, like one of the sci-fi, one of the two right. straight, like opposite ends of the genre stick, I guess you could say. I'd but love yeah. to see that. I'd love to see something new because yeah, yeah I mean it's it's Naughty Dog. They're they're fantastic. Uh, quick bite number two: Sea of Thieves has announced its 2022 content roadmap, and players can look forward to plenty of content. In spring, players can expect to see some new mini raid areas known as sea fortresses, new ways to play and progress, which is coming in the summer, and uh, expanded roleplay features and quest types coming in the fall. There's a lot more uh, that you can read about there. There's They've actually announced a lot of new content, which is great to see that they're not slowing down. Because uh, Sea of Thieves is definitely one of those um, sleeper hits, I think. It's, it's such a good time if you can get a group of people together and play that. So for the people that are still in it, um you got a lot to look forward to year 2020 it's crazy how long they they've supported that game it's really good all free updates which is insane yep and the turnaround too right because it it, it definitely launched in an okay state like everybody's like oh this is a neat idea but not a lot here and uh you just you love to see a studio sticking with that game and like okay well um you know let's i mean famously no man's sky is probably the best example but like instead of just ditching it and trying something else sticking with it and turning it into something better which I definitely think is what Sea of Thieves is. Um, Monster Hunter. Uh, Monster Hunter, like exclusive, is coming to Xbox, and it's reportedly in development by a certain affinity. Um, so they're known for mostly doing support stuff for Halo and in the past Call of Duty, stuff like that, but apparently they are working on a exclusive for xbox is going to be something similar to monster hunter uh but with multiplayer elements and stuff like that so um interesting not a lot's known so very not a lot to go off of but are you guys monster hunter fans i'm surprised you're not excited about this more excited about this gauge because it is the uh one of the big main guys on halo 2's development team that is uh the studio head for for um certain affinity so max hoberman Interesting. Has he been there long? Yeah, yeah. He founded certain affinity, affinity. So I think it was like right after Halo Two launched, before Halo Three launched, he founded the studio. But yeah. interesting. Okay, so I'll have to look a little bit more into that then, because Halo Two is the greatest Halo that they, that's ever been. So that's really exciting. That's weird. Uh, that's moving weird on because the chat four. says something else here. <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, oh, I don't have chat open. That's a good idea. Let me oh. do that real quick. So you haven't seen it. I'm ignoring people. I'm probably ignoring idiots saying libelous <laughs> things, but let's open it up anyway. Just to Don't make sure. say that about our lovely mm-hmm. audience. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, specifically, uh, Brenty, who is definitely not. He is a scholar and um, a real fan. Just like Glenn. Glenn's a real fan. He's here. Glenn's yeah. an idiot. No, Glenn gets put in the idiot category for sure. <laughs> what the heck? Glenn's yeah. a great dude. Great dude. He's Glenn. a great dude, but, you know, he's also an ape, so there's that. Um, moving on to number four. Uh, this is a good little uh, a good little one. Uh, I like this quite a bit. So this comes from Ryan Leston at IGN. During an interview with Finder, Ubisoft Strategic Innovations Lab Vice President Nicholas Ford, question mark, said that gamers simply don't understand the benefits of NFTs. Speaking of idiots, it's all of us. Um... <laughs> And I quote, (laughs) I'm going to spit my water out there. And I quote, I think gamers don't get what a digital secondary market can bring to them. He said, quote, 
For now, because of the current situation and context of NFTs, gamers really believe it's the first, it's first destroying the planet, and second, just a tool for speculation. Um, neither of those things are at the, for at the forefront of our concerns, speaking on behalf of gamers. Um, but what we at Ubisoft uh, are seeing is what we are seeing first is the end game. The end game is about giving players the opportunity to resell their items once they're finished with them or they're finished playing the game itself. So guys, Ubisoft is really thinking about us when they do this. And that's, <laughs> I think we've all failed to see that and we're all accountable. Um, yeah, no, so no, none I, of that's true. I just, didn't, I just <laughs> didn't get it, you know? <laughs> now yeah, they've explained it, it. well, I, I'm all, yeah, let's go NFTs. We're all in, real. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I just needed to explain to me by Ubisoft. That's all. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Everybody. I mean, yeah. Go. Go sorry, ahead. Go. go ahead. I just wanted to say that uh, I don't know if Ubisoft is eventually going to uh, backtrack on on this. Uh, they seem to be one of the few that are doubling down because there's a lot of people that have come out and said, "Hey, we're going to do NFTs," only for the next day to say, "You know what? On second thought, you guys were really loud and." Uh, you voiced your opinions very clearly that you don't want this, so we're not yep. going to do it, and they decide not to do it. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see which ones decide to stick to their their plan uh, with the NFTs and see it through to the end, because uh, we'll see if it works out for them. <laughs> right. Because it yeah. probably won't. I think, I, I do think it's just funny how the, I mean, it makes sense that this is the statement they'd give, because Ubisoft is one of the most predatory companies out there and publishers out there i should say in terms of microtransactions and um it, it, yeah it, understandably they're going to double down on this because they they see it as a cash cow um what i'm hoping for is that not a lot of people will actually buy into this and then it just ends up you know being wasted development time for them so we'll see dan are you excited for nfts no, no, no. Nope. This this statement literally just makes me re reminded of like, you know, a, a father talking down to his son that he he thinks that he doesn't understand what he's talking about. It's like, son, let me just explain this to you. You don't know anything <laughs> right. about this. It's like, get out of here, Ubisoft. Stupid. If there's one thing I love more than uh, NFTs, it's being mansplained to by Ubisoft. <laughs> yeah. so, that's great. That's good. It's, it's, it's going. Things are going really well. Um. Number four, uh, we've got uh, the Halo TV series received its first full-length trailer over the weekend uh, during some stupid sports thing that I what? don't know anything about. Mm -hmm. um, Dan's, I, I apologize, Dan's, uh, Dan's favorite team, no. uh, the Columbus uh, no. Cowboys, no, was no, playing, no, 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 no. and I think they did really just, well, so just I apologize. To be, just to be clear, they're right? not my favorite team, but it is right. my hometown team. The Cincinnati Bengals are in the freaking Super Bowl, which is insane. They haven't won a playoff game, not just the Super Bowl. They haven't won a playoff game in 31 years, and now they're in the Super Bowl. Insane. Yeah. And you're expecting them to do well. I mean, they got a good team this year. Got a good team. All right, well, let's see it. We're gonna pull. We're gonna pull for the Cincinnati Cougars and hope that they do really <laughs> <No>. well. <laughs> um, the Halo TV series got its first trailer. It's coming to exclusively to Paramount Plus on March 24th, 2022. Dan. Yes. Tell me what you thought. Oh, so good. I loved it. Mm. The 
I think the only reservation I have so far about this uh, TV series is the human that is kind of being, they were pulled into the covenant and like she lives amongst the covenant. That's the only reservation I have. And maybe they explain it in a way where I'm like, okay, that's, that makes sense. Or, you know, I could get behind that. Tarzan vibes. What? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. I I will say, I think in one of my first appearances on the show, I, that was the writing on the wall for me, Dan. I was talking about the casting stuff that I didn't like. Yeah. This was it because it does kind of this. I would consider this minor spoilers for the Halo series, so I'm just going to say it. But a human existing in the covenant, covenant kind of undoes like everything the covenant stands for. It's kind of like the one small change they could make, and I feel like this is probably this sounds like um, a studio note where it's like this will be really dramatic if we have a human on the enemy team. So I'm guessing it probably came from somebody who doesn't understand the TV series, or sorry, the uh, the games. But yeah, it's kind of a big thing to change because it kind of undoes the whole religion foundation of the Covenant. Yeah. Um, I thought the trailer looked okay. Uh, I know, Dan, you're super excited for it. I'm definitely going to watch it day one. I'm going to be watching along with everybody else. Um, I don't know if I quite like the tone and the direction that this seems like the... There's a lot of changes that I think are a little weird. Also, I don't know how I feel about human Cortana yet. It's a little weird. See, and like a lot of people, uncanny just, wise, I don't, I'm yeah. not, I'm not, I don't hate it. It's a little uncanny. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about Cortana and saying like she needs to be more blue and stuff like that, which they still totally could change that design, like tweak Absolutely. it before yeah. launch. I, I don't, I still don't know if they will, but uh, I'm, I'm personally okay with it. Uh, it kind of has a, a very uh, Serena. I think I told you this already. It very much looks like Serena from Halo Wars, like yes. that kind of feel to it. Um, and it's kind of, for me, like Cortana over every single iteration of the game, she's changed her look each game. Like it may, some of them were more subtle than others, but every single game she has looked different. Even Halo Reach, where she's got that very small amount of her in it. Uh, when right. Halsey's creating her, it's it's just it's a different design every time. So like I'm okay with them doing a new design and like experimenting. And also like another thing to keep in mind, if there ends up being a season two or whatever, she could always change her design like on the show. Like she could just say, "Oh, I want to change my design and you know present myself as more true to the games like later on." So I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. Also. Another another big thing to mention because it's uh, it's also one of the biggest things in the trailer that has a lot of implications um, is that uh, there's a 2001 Chevy Tahoe yes. in the background, a 551 year old Chevy Tahoe, yeah. which is incredible because I'm pretty sure in real life metal breaks down and turns to atoms after like 200 years. So whoever kept that thing around. <laughs> whoever kept that thing whoever's looking after that yeah excellent mechanic i will say though with that i think it could make sense in terms of like insurrectionists because like insurrectionists are, are like basically like you know uh, i don't want to say outer mod- colonies poverty yeah. like they're yeah they're kind of getting together low, low income and they're just like going against the unsc so like they're just kind of scrounging, scrang- I don't know, that's not the right word, 
I don't know what the scavenging? word scavenging scavenging, scavenging. yes thank yeah. you uh scavenging every everything that they can to kind of fight the UNSC so like they even showed like they they're having like AK47 looking weapons as well like fighting right. against the UNSC which I feel like kind of furthers that point of like they're they're just kind of scavenging whatever they can uh in order to fight them but um yeah i don't know yeah it's interesting like like you said gauge it is a little uncanny to see it but yeah it it definitely it definitely throws me off at first when you first see it i actually thought this was like a a starbucks and game of thrones thing i was like oh somebody left their chevy parked uh here that's that's really bad and then and then they show it quite a bit more and i was like no it's supposed to be there but i i understand that and and well you also have to think like in terms of um realistic expectations what can they do right but i i think it lore wise like 500 years is a long time like that's yeah. that's like if 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 there was a coup in a country in a country now and they're like we're using uh horse and buggies from that we found that are like from the 1200s <laughs> like it's, it's a bit much but i am interested to see it's it's so cool to see chief in you know in in the on the silver screen and the one thing i will say that i did enjoy that I didn't expect to enjoy, or not enjoy, but not mind, I guess, is um, I like that uh, Schreiber is not trying to mimic his voice. He's just doing something yes. completely different, which I like. Because if you can't do Steve Downs, yep. um, don't try to be Steve Downs. Although I am curious as to why they wouldn't just get him to do VO, right? Unless they're planning on yeah. us seeing Chief outside of his helmet a lot, yeah. which would be another interesting to see thing to see if they do that. I think we definitely will see him outside of his helmet a lot. I think that's why. And uh, yeah, like, and I even saw a bunch of people on on Twitter gauge that were saying like, "Oh, this this is a terrible ma- uh, Steve Downs impression." I'm like, "What? He's not trying to be Steve Downs at all. That sounds not, that's purposefully not like that's Steve." That's why Downs. it's not a good impression. I'm pretty sure yeah. they announced that. They're like, "Hey, I'm I'm pretty sure like there was an interview with one of, either the showrunner or the actor, and he's like, "No, I'm, we're definitely not doing that. We're not going to try. It's fine." Yeah. So, Rashan, did you watch the trailer? No, I, the, the, what I was going to bring up was the Chevy thing, because that's the only thing that I have reference to for the trailer, because I haven't watched it yet. But I right. saw a Reddit post of, like, uh, there's a Chevy, 200, <laughs> 2001 Chevy Tahoe in the, the trailer. And I just yeah. thought that was funny. But, uh, yeah. Not that much longer to go to see uh, what it ends up being. Um, so I am curious. I, I, I won't say I'm excited, but I'm very curious. And... Uh, didn't hear any of that, Dan. You cut out for a second. But oh, I was whispering. I'm excited. Hell yeah! <laughs> I'm excited that you're excited, Dan. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on to another quick bit. Uh, MLB The Show 22 is launching on April 5th on PlayStation, Xbox, Game Pass, and Switch. Uh, I'm guessing Switch is through their cloud uh, streaming thing be. that they have. <laughs> it's, oh, it, has, it has to be right. Oh, uh, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, it's it's really it's really interesting to see the quick turnaround from being a PlayStation exclusive and one of their like biggest name exclusives, like to now launching day one on Game Pass and coming yeah. to the Switch. So they clearly you to me this paints a very clear picture of that contract ending and them going, no, we don't want exclusive. We want to be everywhere. We like we're done. So, MLB fans, you guys at all? Uh, not not really. Not me particularly. Dan's nodding yeah. his head, though. Yeah, yeah, I am. Yeah. I enjoyed last year's game. I played it on Game Pass, and yeah, it's crazy. It's the second year in a row with Game Pass. I don't even have to buy it. Cool right. With me. 
Yeah, I'm, that I, is... I am interested to see if the Switch version is like a cloud version, like you guys said, or if it's going to be native, because normally... Or it's going to be we, uh, me gol or uh, me... Uh... Like me, baseball, pretty much, whatever. Yeah. Oh, right. oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, oh god, am I crazy or do that? Don't they normally like? wrote you would be better to answer this. Like, don't they normally title the the games that are the cloud version, like cloud version or whatever? They, yeah, they do say, yeah, they have like a little cloud version on it. Mm. Um, but that would be like in the s- store. Like, okay. I, I don't think they would announce it here. Is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Okay. Okay. But. I mean, I'm sure they, they would have to announce before they put it on the store that it's going to be a cloud version. But yeah, um, yeah, I think like there's some EA games that are that are on there that aren't running on the cloud, but they're very much dumbed down versions of the original, like very ports of the original sports games. So hopefully that doesn't happen here. Um, but a cloud version probably wouldn't be that that much better. But yeah, we'll see. OK, moving on to the next quick bit. Um... We've got It Takes Two news. Uh, So this is from Joe Otterson at Variety. It Takes Two, the ever-popular co-op couples counseling game from Hazelight Studios, is being adapted uh, into a film in collaboration with DJ2 uh, Entertainment. And this is a snippet from the article here. At the time of publishing, no studio or network is attached to the project, but sources say it is currently the subject of a multi-party bidding war. Pat Casey and Josh Miller, the raised behind Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, and its upcoming sequel are attached to adapt. It takes to screen, so that's kind of exciting. Uh, from what I've heard, Sonic and the Sonic the Hedgehog, everyone expected it to be really bad, is actually a fun time, and um, I don't think we need anything more from that. If we were to do a It Takes Two movie, it's just a fun, you know, Pixar esque movie. Um, this is cool. This is a good fit. I think um, not very. I mean, I mean, I know it's a hot topic in the video game community. Don't make them movies, make them TV shows. But every now and again, you get an IP that I think. This would be a great. This would be a really good. Um, this would be a really good movie, I think. And then yeah. the sequel, they can just be called "It Takes Two, But now the two is actually the number two. There you go. Take that for free. <laughs> My goodness. Oh, I'm I'm down. I'm down for this. I I can't. I haven't beat the game yet, so maybe maybe Ooh. I'll find out what the ending is by watching the movie. I'm watching the movie. <laughs> I don't beat it by then. Same. But, uh, yeah, I think be a perfect movie like this. Like you were saying, this is one of the few video games that would probably be better as a movie as opposed to a, a series. So right. definitely hyped for to see where this goes. Good for, for Mr. Fares over there. And, and he actually has a background thing. in film. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. uh, if this if this turns out to be one of the, you know, Last of Us HBO situations where he's directly involved, um, that could sort of add some extra um, quality to the to the to the finished product. So oh. that's exciting. Is this actually going to be called It Takes Two after Take Two freaking oh, no. out about the name? It's <laughs> a good question. I, I wonder hmm, I wonder if they might back down from that. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting to see because we heard that there hasn't really been any rumblings. And I, I feel like if that was something that they were legitimately concerned of having to deal with, they probably would have changed their name like pretty quick or at least announced plans to. We haven't heard anything about that, so Mm-mm. I don't know. Yeah, if if that if that ends up happening, um, that's a great question. If it'll if it'll be all that, uh, I I hope that they drop that. That was dumb. I think they were just upset that their their game was getting more buzz than. Before. <laughs> um, Dying Light Two early reviews are up, uh, and it seems like the game is getting some generally positive reviews. Uh, a lot of reviews are praising the expanded open world and parkour mechanics. 
uh, with the majority of the criticism focusing on the narrative quality slash direction and buggy gameplay. And it should be uh, stated that Dying Light 2, the uh, official Twitter account, has stated that their day one patch addresses a lot of the issues that the reviewers had to deal with. Um, so, pretty exciting stuff. Um, review scores are ranging from 9.5s to, you know, 2 out of 5, 3 out of 5. <laughs> Most of them are definitely in the 7 and above. And uh, I'm definitely excited because uh, Dying Light 2, Dying Light, sorry, is probably my favorite game of 2015 and one of my favorite games of the Xbox One generation. But um, I never really loved it for the narrative. It was good. It was fine. But it was definitely that the gameplay that hooked me. So from what I'm hearing about Dying Light 2, it's everything I want and I'll probably pick it up day one. Uh, Dan, how are you feeling? Yeah, I, I feel pretty good about it as well. Like like you're saying, like the, the gameplay is the most important thing, the uh, kind of navigation of, of the buildings and such, and all of your combat maneuvers look really cool. Like there was, a, I think, a slide mechanic or a dive, something like that, that it knocks back a bunch of zombies. I was like, holy shit, that looks fun. Uh, yeah, this definitely will be like the type of co-op game I feel like that would be really, really done justice in co-op because, you know story take it or leave it but co-op fun could be good yes co-op was definitely the way to play the first one so many good times and nonsense and tomfoolery and such Rashan, did you play dying light i did not i missed that one um i'm not particularly interested in checking out the sequel i did like what they had to say about uh the narrative stuff and the like before the game came out, I mean, I like what they were advertising about the narrative stuff and the the choices and stuff like that. And kind of hearing that the story isn't that great just turned me off completely. But I do right. like what uh, uh, the parkour stuff always seemed like a, a fun gameplay loop, uh, at at least. So I'm sure yeah. it's fun to play. As as the reviewers are saying, it's it's a fun fun play, but the narrative isn't isn't as great as some people were expecting. I guess. Yeah, very, from what I've read, very inconsistent rating. And I guess the um, the choice system, while a lot of people were saying it's really cool how it impacts the game greatly, it's very, very binary. Like, it's like A or B, pick. And sometimes you don't know the ramifications, it's not clear. Um, but in terms of gameplay-wise, I'm excited to check out how that works. I like the idea of certain areas of the map becoming accessible or becoming inaccessible due to your choices. That sounds really cool. I'll probably pick this up day one. And I'm someone who likes, who loves Life is Strange, and I, I know those choices don't always have such a huge impact on, like, the ending of the game. Sometimes it does, but it's not, like, game-changing most of the times. But I just, right. as long as the story is good, if I'm making choices, that's just an added bonus. I was just along for the ride. So that it, it's not that the choices aren't impactful, because I, I, I've heard that, like... Uh, like there's certain choices, like if you choose a certain clan, like the world is completely different as to somebody else who, cho who chooses a different clan. I think that's really cool. But if the story that uh, influences those choices isn't good, then I, I don't want to bother really. You're yeah. right. You're totally right about that too, Rogue, because like Mass Effect, the choices you make in Mass Effect, like they make you think they're big choices, but they're really not that big in, at the end of the day. And the reason why people love Mass Effect is the story is so good. So you're, you're totally spot on with that. Right. Uh, moving on to our final quick bit. Uh, Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been delayed into 2023. This is from Jason Schreier at Bloomberg in an article I can't read because I'm not paying for it. So I'm guessing it says something along the lines of Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League has been delayed into 2023. 
Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately. And yes, that was one of your picks for fantasy league, it wasn't was. it? That's yes. casualty number one on my fantasy Dan's, team. Dan's having a rocky start on his uh, on his fantasy league. Although I am curious, we're gonna do an update at the end of the show, and just gonna open it now. Yeah, the and like the the worst part about it is, is I like I debated whether I wanted to because I bid on it for a dollar. It was one of my one of my games that I bid on for a dollar. I was like, man, I really don't know if I should do this because I don't know if it's coming this year. But then I'm like, no, somebody else is going to steal it. So I'm just going to do it real quick. And then, yeah, here we are. I can get behind the logic of that. I, I think I, I think that makes sense to me. Um. Before we get into the news, ladies and gentlemen, I, being host of the week and having uh, this newfound sense of power, have decided to take it upon myself to change the show drastically. Um, just kidding. Uh, I'm just adding a new small segment, which may or may not be repeated by future guests or by future hosts. Totally up to you guys. But I'm going to call this segment, keeping with Christian's food theme, I'm going to call this next section street meat it's meat from the streets you don't know if it's good you don't know if it's bad but it's interesting to talk about in this segment we're going to talk about rumors we're going to talk about rumors because rumors are fun rumors are fun um so we've only got two for the first uh for the first ever street meat segment street meat number one (laughs) sony might be making another big acquisition and it might be Capcom, which I'd like mm. to point out, your boy predicted last time we talked about this. But anyways, so many industry insiders are claiming another big Sony acquisition is on the horizon and that it may be the world-renowned publisher Capcom. Jeff Keighley has recently tweeted that he has heard of acquisitions close to finalizing. In a tweet um, that he tweeted, I think, either earlier today or yesterday, the tweet is as follows have heard from multiple people as you might expect there are a few other big video game deals in final stages of negotiations it's going to be an interesting year that is the tweet from jeff Keeley. and then we've got another piece here during a games beat live stream known insider jeff grubb and his co-host uh discussed the acquisition jeff teases it takes two to tango both him and his co-host clarify this is not a reference to take two or hazelight uh internet detectives have quickly pointed out that It Takes Two to Tango is an achievement-slash-trophy in Resident Evil 5. Mm. Um, And then Christopher Dring, who recently had an interview with James Ryan um, regarding the Bungie acquisition, uh, Jim Ryan told him we should expect more when it comes to further PlayStation acquisitions. So it it looks like we're going to get some sort of acquisition. We don't know what. The only really sort of hint we have is this It Takes Two to Tango, in which the person who says it says it's not Take-Two, and it's not Hazelight. So what does that leave? Um, what are we thinking? I, I, like I said earlier, I think Capcom is a natural fit under the Sony umbrella. We don't know that that's what it is. It could be something completely different. Um, but what's clear is that a lot of credible people are hearing that there is a acquisition in the works and that it's nearing finalization. Dan, what do you think is going on? Yeah, uh, I think Capcom would be a fantastic fit with PlayStation and I'd totally, totally welcome it. Uh, I mean, they have a huge history with Capcom, obviously, dating back to the what probably the original PlayStation, if not PlayStation 2. Uh, but 
I think the most important part here is Sony realizes they have to they have to do something to kind of, you know, not necessarily combat Microsoft directly because Microsoft just bought Activision for $70 billion. Sony can't do that. But like yeah. Capcom is such a perfect fit because Capcom Capcom wouldn't be that expensive relative to Activision or, you know, Bethesda even, I don't think. Uh, and they have a lot of great IPs, Monster Hunter, Resident Evil. Uh, there's so many... Obviously, I just said they have a, a lot of great ones. I could only think of two, but that's, that's just because my brain's small. Uh, a lot the, of fighting games. A lot of fighting Street games. Fighter, yes. The yep. history with Street Fighter Five being uh, PlayStation 4 exclusive, that was a big deal. So, like, yeah, it totally makes sense that um, that this, this partnership would happen, and I'd, I'd be down for it. Uh, I know a lot of people have been talking about whether it's good or bad or whatnot, but as long as they don't touch Capcom, because finally Capcom is actually doing things that people want, like, as long as they don't just say, keep doing the things you're doing, I'm cool with it. I will say too that this um, just before you jump in there, Rashan, is that mm. uh, we know that these these acquisitions take a long time from yeah. from the inception of Jim Ryan saying I want this I want this publisher I want this studio to it actually being announced and then even it being finalized. We're talking years. So the reason another reason I might I might think it's Capcom is that they recently uh, had that patent leak about their esports thing that they were revamping, or they no they acquired an esports um, some sort of esports um entity or, or content i remember a while back so uh if they do get capcom then that's sort of a natural fit with street fighter and all that stuff but uh Rashan, what do you think this means do you think capcom do you think it's not capcom do you think it's maybe something else what do you think um if it's not capcom yeah sorry if it's not capcom I, i'm not too sure uh who it would be um right now um it could be somebody else i just that uh the the hints that we've had which is just one but lead to capcom i i agree um i think it would be a great get as as dan was saying with the different ips like he mentioned a few with uh, monster hunter and resident evil but they've got street fighter like you said got ace attorney mega man is a big one too so if they do decide to do like exclusive which would would suck they have a, a lot of really great ips to to have on playstation if they do decide to do that exclusive stuff but if it is something more like with what they're doing with bungie as as like just kind of elevating the studio and just allowing them to create better quality stuff and maybe they get some exclusive tidbits here and there but just really lifting the studio up to the best of its potential i think that'll be a really cool partnership as dan said they've had a pretty good history together and i think capcom already favors playstation over like the other platforms anyway so it'd be cool to to see that uh, a partnership w between them obviously it'll be even better to if they would just work with everybody else, but I understand that money is the priority uh, with these businesses. So uh, I think that would be a good partnership if uh, if they were to partner with anybody. PlayStation, I think, would be the best best option. Evo was what you were trying to think of, yeah. Gage. The, the biggest Evo. fighting game tournament in the world. Well, there we go, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Um, I do. I, I have more to say, but I think I'll save that for topic of the show uh, because it kind of relates to that more than this. But yeah, it's interesting. I I, I think it is Capcom. Um, it's uh, I I agree hundred percent, Rashan. I think it's a natural fit. Um, and even if, as somebody who enjoys Resident Evil, um, and a lot of people do, for some reason in my head, if Resident Evil did become a PlayStation exclusive, that almost makes sense to me. Like I know that's totally double standard. Um, 
but uh, for some reason, I could see that making sense. That that yeah. seems like a game that would that would be a PlayStation there's, exclusive. There's already. games that are on multiple platforms that I'm just like, wait, I thought this was exclusive because just yes. because I associate that company with that console, like like Capcom. There's a lot of times where I'm like, I didn't know Monster Hunter was on play, uh, Xbox. I don't even know if it is actually. I I may be talking on my butt right now, but I know it's come to PC. But there's there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, I I just assumed that this was with with this and i think capcom is one of those where i just associate them with playstation even though they are literally everywhere yeah that's a great example i also thought monster hunter was a playstation exclusive i did not know that it was anywhere else um and then so we're gonna get on to our second piece of street meat which is halo infinite's new mode is likely not a battle royale according to jez corden of windows central so this is a quote from his article. I revealed on my Xbox Two podcast that Certain Affinity may be working on a new multiplayer mode for Halo Infinite according to trusted sources familiar with Certain Affinity and 343 Industries plans. It seems that this new mode is codenamed Tatanka. Could be several months out at this point and is designed to be a more, quote, newcomer-friendly experience that isn't demanding competitively and uh, that isn't as demanding competitively than existing multiplayer modes, big team battle, and arena. It's also intended to entice users who typically aren't interested in Halo, potentially targeting gamers on Fortnite, Call of Duty, Warzone, or Apex Legends. So this is interesting to me because um, Jez Corden, if people aren't familiar, uh, has had a lot of right inside information. He's not really known as a leaker. He's definitely more of a journalist, but he does when he does comment on things, he's usually pretty spot on uh, with his sources. So that's why I've put it in Street Meat is that it's somewhat... You know, you can chew on it. You don't know if it's good. You don't know if it's going to make you sick or if it's bad, but you can chew on it at least a little bit. So the fact that this mode has a code name is interesting to me because that means that it's, I'm expecting, again, not Battle Royale, but I'm expecting it to be something like Warzone where it might be, you know, you open up Halo Infinite and it's campaign, multiplayer, and then this is its own separate thing. The fact that it has a code name leads me to believe that it's going to be something of that caliber. Um... I personally think this sounds a lot like uh, a horde mode or a PVE mode. The fact that it says it's newcomer friendly and it's not competitive, uh, which for me is awesome. I love that. I love PVE game modes. It's my favorite. If I had a if I had a choice, that's that's my favorite thing to play. Um, so it's interesting. It's what do you what are you thinking about this, Roshan? What uh, what do you think Codename Tatanka could possibly be? I I genuinely have no idea. I think it's interesting how they reference the other games, I guess, that it could be competing against, like Fortnite and Apex Legends, and trying to bring that audience over here, because I just think it's such a different type of audience that it, it'll be interesting to see what kind of uh, game mode that they're trying to bring over. I guess the big one is, like, of course, maybe Battle Royale or something they're trying to implement, but I feel like what they're describing or... I don't know. It's, Battle Royale seems like something that's already been confirmed, and this seems like a little bit more uh, like they're developing something new. Um, yeah, I have no idea what it could be. Like multiplayer shooters usually aren't uh, something that I gravitate to. First-person multiplayer shooters aren't usually something that I gravitate towards. So I know like the the general game modes like Deathmatch and Slayer and all those kind of stuff and Capture the Flag and stuff like that. And it's like, what else could you do? Like, I feel like they've made the modes. <laughs> for these games and those are the ones that they stick to and the gunplay and the guns are what they they reimagine and make fun so it'll be interesting to see what they what they think is going to attract those those audiences over to halo because i feel like the halo audience is just like this is what they want this is the type of game that they want and they don't want them 
to change it really. So I'll be interested to see what they do, bring people over. It could even be like a, a smaller scale, like Warzone esque thing. And I say Warzone, I mean Halo Five Warzone, not Call of Duty Warzone. Two different things. Right. But I think it could be a smaller scale version of that. Like it would make sense to have something where you're combining, you know, fighting AI combatants and uh, human opponents, which that was one of the coolest parts about Warzone was that you were fighting AI on the map while you're also fighting the other team as well, which like that's something that Warzone doesn't get enough credit for that. It was kind of revolutionary in that aspect. Like you had never seen that kind of thing happen really before in games. Um, So I thought that was a cool thing but warzone had a big issue of like people would just rush the freaking base right at the start like matches were ending like super quick by the end of the uh life cycle of halo 5 because people have figured out how to just basically cheat the game mode so right. uh yeah it's super interesting um i'm definitely interested to see what uh what certain affinities working on over there halo related but obviously their other project too that we talked about before yeah yeah, it'll be, if I had to guess, this is probably a small team of certain affinity, and they're yeah. probably working with 343 developers as opposed to this being a ground-up project that's, that's just that they're just working on. Um, yeah, interesting stuff. I think, uh, I think Warzone is probably a safe guess, something like that. Um, the fact that uh, it's, it's described as newcomer-friendly that isn't demanding competitively, that's what leads me to believe it might be some sort of horde mode or even... Maybe even some sort of, um, um, not necessarily a horde mode, but a, a Left 4 Dead type where it's not necessarily horde based, but it's uh, PVE and you sort of move through these mini levels or something like that. Who knows? Um, Warzone would be cool though, because I did like Warzone. That was uh, that was one mode in Halo Five I really did enjoy. What? Say that again. That was one mode in <laughs> Halo Five that I did kind of enjoy. Wow. <laughs> so. <laughs> Sorry, that uh, something. Um, moving on to the news, we have three pieces of news to talk about. The next three Call of Duty games will release on PlayStation Four, sure, according to Jason Schreier in an article from Bloomberg. So, Jason Schreier says. The next three uh, before the news of the sixty-nine uh, sixty-nine billion dollar acquisition broke last week activision had already committed to make the next few call of duty games available on sony's console in addition to microsoft's xbox according to four people with knowledge of the deal speaking anonymously because they were not authorized to speak to press that is a direct quote from jason schreier's article uh another quote is that includes this year's call of duty expected to be a new entry in the popular modern warfare subseries being developed by infinity ward and the following game, which is in development at Treyarch, both Activision-owned studios. The deal also includes a planned new iteration of Call of Duty Warzone, the lucrative free-to-play game that was released in 2020. So we know for sure, if nothing else, that the next three main releases of Call of Duty will come to PlayStation. After that, who knows? Phil Spencer has obviously commented, saying that he has no plans to take it, make it unavailable to uh, PlayStation um, players. Uh, there was some debate about his wording. It's very, very precise and uh, a bit vague. So who knows what that will entail? But we know at least uh, the next three are coming to PlayStation. How do you feel about that, Dan? 
Yeah, uh, I, I think it's pretty, it definitely lines up with what I was thinking when we were talking about this on topic of the show a few weeks ago. Like, I personally don't see Microsoft taking Call of Duty uh, away from all the platforms just from the amount of money that the franchise makes. And maybe there's a time down the line that Call of Duty's uh, a lot more niche than it is now. And maybe it's not selling as much as it used to. And maybe Microsoft at that point decides, all right, let's make it exclusive, put it in Game Pass and uh, kind of bring people to our platform that way. Um, But yeah, in the foreseeable future, personally, I I still don't see. Yeah, obviously, this confirms the next three, but uh, I don't see Call of Duty leaving PlayStation um, just in terms of financial perspective and similar to what we'll talk about in the topic of the show here in a little bit, but yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. Yeah, I agree with, uh, with Dan. It was what I was expecting as well, that uh, Call of Duty is going to be staying on PlayStation, but as you said, uh, uh, Gage, who's, 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 who's to know what the future holds? Uh, so after these three games are, are released, what's going to happen in the future? Um, I assume that uh, they'll stay there, but only only time will tell. It's really interesting these uh, these last this last month, the first month of <laughs> yeah. 2022, and it's already so interesting in the gaming sphere. So yeah, it's going to be an interesting year to see what happens this year, and and this year it is already like making me interested in the years to come to so see how right. it shapes uh, the industry. So. Definitely interesting stuff. I don't think there's anything I could really add to that you guys have haven't already said, but yeah, wild stuff that's going on. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad that it uh, at least for now, Call of Duty is still on PlayStation. Yeah. Yes, I I, I also agree with both of you. I don't I don't think uh, it's going anywhere, regardless of these next three games. Even after that, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. But we'll see. Maybe Phil Spencer wants to uh, try some some new things or. Or what, what he's got planned. Because obviously he's got plans. Because you don't spend $70, $70 billion without a plan. So, uh, moving on to the second news article of the day. Which is that DICE has published a detailed blog addressing issues with uh, Battlefield 2042. Including a meaty roadmap. And details on how they will analyze feedback moving forward. So, this blog post was put up on uh, Battlefield.com. And uh, it is from, let's see, it is from a uh, senior producer, Ryan MacArthur, uh, who's spoken on behalf of DICE. And they've outlined, uh, yeah, they've outlined their plans for addressing the less than exceptional state of Battlefield 2042. So um, here is a snapshot of features we are bringing into the game as soon as possible. A updated scoreboard. Um they have uh, plans for an all-platform voice communication system, which they call VoIP, but I don't think that's actually VoIP. My understanding of VoIP is that it's proximity-based. Like, if you're talking to somebody in a game and then you start walking away, the, the audio gets quieter and quieter. But they call it VoIP, so maybe they mean actual VoIP, or maybe they just mean uh, party chat or game chat. Either way, that's not in the game now, so it will be, which is exciting. Uh, and then player profile, giving you a better overview of your career on the battlefield and how far you have to go your next unlock those are the three main uh things they talked about that they are working on immediately and then they actually um outlined a new feedback loop which is really really nice uh this is a direct quote from the article uh, from the blog post i should say we're committed to pushing up the quality of the game both through our updates and how rapidly we will respond to critical issues in the live environment we're also going to clarify the direction that we're taking 
and what's motivating our decisions to bring improvements to the game. So expect to get more insight as we expand our existing feedback loops to involve you, our players, more directly. Our team has identified several areas we're targeting for improvements. This is how we will be incorporating your feedback going forward. We will present specific major areas to you along with our current thinking, detailing what we're planning to make changes. We'll then take the time to observe and listen to the conversations that you go on to have about both the area of concern and our proposals for adjustment. Later, you'll hear from us on the topic again, but this time that your feedback will have been factored into our consideration and guided the decisions made for us. These conversations will be centralized and accessible here on the Battlefield website and summarized across our channels. So this is pretty big. Um, a lot of people in the community are very happy. This is a really good response um, to a game that has lost a lot of its player base very quickly. Um, I played the beta and I did not have that much fun, unfortunately. Um, I wasn't able to squad up with people, which is a big part of Battlefield. Um, but as somebody who put an ungodly amount of hours into Battlefield 4, uh, into Battlefield 1, um, I was really looking forward to this game, and I honestly, it, it's super upsetting to see, um, you know, the game falter like this and, and sort of lose its its steam and its hype so quickly. Um, but this is a really good acknowledgement from them, and um, what I like about this is not just them saying... These are the areas we're going to improve on the game currently, but also completely reevaluating their feedback system and telling you exactly how they're going to take feedback. This is a, this is a pretty big, in my opinion, a pretty big um, announcement and and uh, not something you see very often in, in the games industry. Um, so I thought this was I thought this was really nice, Dan. I know you've played a bit of Battlefield 2042 since launch. Have you? Are you still playing it? And what does this what does this do for you? Yeah, so I ended up not buying it because of Halo's stealth release uh, a month early. So right. I, I kind of, it was a casualty of that and then also of, you know, people detailing all the issues with it. But I did play a, a pre-release like you did, Gage, and um, I had some fun with it. But at the end of the day, it, it definitely, uh, it needed a lot of improvement. And I know Christian's been on here. He actually played i think the retail release i want to say maybe maybe the beta i can't remember but i know he enjoyed it so um but there's definitely a lot of things that are missing here and like you said voip like voice over ip that's literally just there's no voice uh communication in the game at all like that's insane like how's that not in the game that's a major thing for a multiplayer shooter um to not have voice communication but um yeah definitely Definitely good that they're at least being transparent with the community and saying, like, these are the changes coming and here's kind of our roadmap, so to speak, uh, of what we're thinking about delivering. So, <clears throat> Jeez, every, every time I need to talk, I, I need to clear my throat. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but, uh, yes, it's it's a bummer for sure. Like Dan said, the, uh, the VoIP and is a great addition, but something that should have been there earlier, the voice stuff. But there's some other cool stuff that is. I'm glad that they're adding and they're being transparent and all that kind of stuff. I just wanted to also add that this is a game that I was so hyped for based on like the the material and the ad that they were doing, and that was that was something that I told myself I wouldn't be doing any longer since the the original Watch Dogs came out. One of the games that absolutely duped me with its advertising, and when I played it, I just didn't enjoy it. Loved the sequel, but hated the original one. And this was one, this was the game that almost got me back in my ways. I would have bought this game, and I would have been so mad at myself. 
So just just a, a tale of caution for anybody out there. Wait a little bit before pre-purchasing your games. Apparently, this is very normal for Battlefield to launch in like a, a something like this, and then eventually it gets to a, a better state. Apparently, that's what I've heard from from Battlefield fans that it takes a little while for it to get back to where it it it's a, should have been at launch. Unfortunately, but again, I like like you said, Gage. I'm glad that they are communicating and that they're talking with their fans that are gonna stay, uh, so they could get it to a place where they. They deserve like the players deserve so that's that's good it sucks that season one got delayed uh to summer apparently it's supposed to come around now i think but i, I know it got delayed so yes it's getting delayed sense. to early summer yeah yeah so, um yeah yes that is so this this is so certain aspects of this are definitely par for the course battlefield 4 fame infamously just a complete buggy oh, mess no. when that game launched um borderline unplayable the game like the core gameplay was great like the ideas that they had but the game did not work there was some hilarious bugs and just <laughs> absolutely ridiculous um i don't i i remember i know three had similar issues and five obviously had uh, had a bit of a controversy around that but i don't i think one was was a pretty solid launch if i remember correctly but definitely more times than not a battlefield game will launch and it will they'll have so many ideas and so many new systems thrown into the game that it's just an absolute buggy nightmare um, the second half of this issue, like the, the main issue with the community of this game, which they did address, but not, they didn't give any sort of concrete, uh, information on is the whole idea of specialists. Um, which I know a lot of people are, 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 are giving dice a lot of shit for this. And I've seen some people say some really unsavory things, but if, no. if I had to guess, <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Right. And gamers, no, not them. Um, <laughs> But if I had to guess, this is probably seems like a higher up decision because uh, if you play Battlefield 2042, the whole specialist thing it looks like it's ripped right out of Call of Duty. Um, and uh, I, if I had to guess, that was probably that choice was made for monetization purposes. But there is a bigger sort of discussion around the class based system that that Battlefield is known for. That's one of its main features, and that was completely removed with this game. And that is something that I struggled to enjoy because. It felt a lot more run run and gun, like mindlessly run around the map and kill people than other Battlefield games did. So it'll be interesting to see how that gets addressed. Um, there is also, I should mention, that they mentioned that they're going to have a feedback system for uh, prominent Battlefield creators to give specific... They have a specific line of communication to the studio, um, which is great because um, there's a lot of really good YouTubers that have been playing Battlefield for a long time that I think the community would be comfortable speaking on behalf. Like Jack Frags is a name that gets tossed around a lot. Um, he's a great content creator and uh, a diehard Battlefield guy. So the fact that they're going to be not only listening to player feedback more closely and more uh, transparently, but also that they're going to be looking at the prominent uh, content creators in the Battlefield community to give sort of expedited feedback is is pretty interesting and hopefully i'm hoping we can turn this around because while it does look grim now let's not forget that battlefront 2 also launched really buggy and design like design decisions that the community hated and they turned that game around that game is awesome now so i'm hoping that dice can uh, sort of take a breather do a hard reset and get this game back on track because i do want to enjoy battlefield again green and moving on to our final piece of news for the day is that earlier today, Gran Turismo 7 got its own state of play, and we got to see 
lots of stuff. Seven. That's more than six. <laughs> um, so, Gran Turismo. So I've got a quote here for this is from a Polygon article. This is a summary. I did watch the um, the state of play, but I'm not gonna uh, summarize uh, 15 minutes of that in because that'll just be a mess. I can barely uh, read and write as it is. So, this is an excerpt from a Polygon article. Gran Turismo 7 will have three new features to support um, the next installment of the franchise. Possibly the biggest is Gran Turismo Cafe, a mode where players are presented with a a menu of missions or assignments uh, for a particular car. By completing them, they'll learn more about that vehicle's development and history. Um, I thought that sounded really cool when they were talking about that. Um, that's a really cool way for this game. So the Gran Turismo game, in my mind, is for the gearheads. It's for the diehards, the car guys, all this stuff, more so than Forza Horizon, which is a much more casual experience. Um, so the fact that they're adding a mode like this where it's sort of, um, you earn mission, you, you complete missions to learn more about the car that you're currently driving. It's just a really cool idea to me. I think that sounds really great. They showed off a lot of customization features, um, some really cool stuff with uh, body modification for your cars, adjusting uh, spoilers, even piece by piece. You can change what the wings look like on a certain spoiler, which is really cool. Um, and they've also got a new revamped replay system where pretty much you can, ch- if you save a replay of a race, uh, you can s- choose a, a soundtrack, a song, and the game will automatically change the camera angles of that replay to sort of fit with the beat of the song, which sounds really cool. Uh, I definitely fool around with replay systems a lot in games. So that sounds awesome. Um, I won't be able to play this, though, because I don't have a PS5, which is super unfortunate. So lots of stuff to chew on. Dan, are yes. you a Gran Turismo guy? Uh, not, not traditionally, but like, obviously I'm huge into the Forza games. Just, I mean, now that they're on Game Pass, I'll, I'll play all of them, but I'm usually bigger on the arcade experiences. So Forza Horizon's right. usually more up my alley. But with that being said, I have dipped my toes into Forza Motorsport in the past. So, uh, just looking at this game, it looks so much better. Like that was one thing that I, I always compared, uh, Gran Turismo to Forza Motorsport and like visually side by side i always thought that gran turismo's environments were lacking compared to forza motorsport and now like some of these screenshots that i'm seeing in uh, gran turismo 7 it looks so much better like the environments look really good a lot of texture detail so definitely taking advantage of the ps5 and uh, i'm excited to see uh gran turismo 7 and forza motorsport 8 both launch this year to 10 out of 10s right guys Sure. Oh, well, I guess so. For you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Did your fantasy critic again? <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, Rashan, are you a Gran Turismo guy? Uh, no, not really. I'm not usually <clears throat> an, a racing or a car guy in general or a racing uh, video game guy. I like the need for speed games uh, every now and again. And I loved uh, Forza Horizon. I played that for a little bit, but I think that just really solidified that these games have to be accessible uh, for me to to get into them. So like a Game Pass game or whatever PlayStation's Spartacus thing is, if Gran Turismo is on that, then I'll give it a shot. But I I definitely won't uh, pick it up at full price. Um, But that being said, everything that they're showing off here is gorgeous. And I think the cafe thing is really cool. And yeah, just just the visuals are just getting crazy with yeah. uh, next gen and stuff like that and it, it looks gorgeous so for the people that are interested in, in this uh 
these types of games they're definitely getting a, a awesome experience it looks like so like there's a there's one shot that i saw that was inside of uh the car like that you could customize the i'm not sure if you can customize but it, it just looks so realistic it's right. like the hud of the car with like the dials and it's like oh, so uh everything is so meticulously placed and detailed it looks amazing yeah. so yeah I will say something that, something that is, is a very small thing, and I'm guessing this is a something they're able to do because it's a, um, we'll call it a linear racer as opposed to an open world racer, is that um, the cars, I, I think, look absolutely incredible, uh, maybe even better than Forza Horizon. I think Forza Horizon 5, uh, the environment is way more beautiful. It's not even close. But what I did find really interesting in, in this, and it's you see it in a couple times, but there's a moment where somebody was uh, racing and they're in the cockpit view, and uh, they were driving a hypercar that had a rear view camera. And I noticed, like, it caught my eye that the rear view camera looked almost as detailed as the actual uh, race, which m- most of the time it, it's because they have to render the game world twice. It's, it's much noticeably not as detailed, especially in like Forza Horizon, for example. But as he was racing, I, I, it, it caught my eye because it was very like the, the car behind him looked just as good as the car that he was in. And it was smooth and fast, and I was like, "That's that's pretty cool." So, um, yeah, very detailed game. Uh, I'm not much of a Gran Turismo guy. I prefer, like you, Dan. I prefer the more arcadey uh, games, even though I would say Forza Horizon is definitely arcade simulation. Mm. Um, but I, I do prefer that. I, I uh, I'm not much of a track racer at all. Um, but I, you know what I do appreciate about Gran Turismo as well is how old school the menu system is. I love <laughs> that there's no Need for Speed is bad for this. I love that there's no cringy voiceover. There's no forced story. It's just like little text pops up. Bloop. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Or uh, uh, when they were modifying their cars, a little splash screen came up of some guys changing tires. Then it went away and the car's now different. I love that. I love that old school stuff. Uh, so it's cool that they've kept that going for, for all these years. It looked like it was a natural evolution of like PS one era racing games. So that was neat. I like that. I'm probably not going to pick this up at all. I can't because I don't have a PS5, <laughs> but grand Turismo fans, you got a lot to look forward to and you don't have to wait that long because the game is releasing on March 4th, 2022 gentlemen. It's time for topic of the show. Are you ready, Dan? Or did you skip a segment? I did. Okay, so Dan's Dan put in the document here without my permission. Quick fantasy oh, no, critic no, no. draft check-in. Not, not that one. But... Oh, you're right. I'm messing <laughs> up on my first time. Okay, so we have the okay, so I'll just acknowledge this. We have the quick fantasy critic draft check-in. I I looked into it. They're not gonna lock in the score until two weeks after, I think, for fluctuation of a review scores. Because it's already you've already gone from a it's already gone from a seventy-four. We're talking about Dying Light 2. It's already gone from a 74 to 76. So <laughs> we have nothing to check in. Dan, it looks like Dan's getting more points than I wanted him to get, which is awful. Um, so we don't have much of a check-in. Boys, I can't believe I forgot about this. <laughs> but it's what you got for me. Dan, yeah. what you got for me? I got Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I finally... Ooh made it back to Valhalla. It's been so long. I literally jumped back in and this I think I was standing in front of this character. Actually, this is a crazy story because I I, I uh, started it up and it was still in quick resume. And I was like, "What?" 
Like, I must have played it, like, shortly... I must have played it shortly after I got my Halo Infinite console because it came in quick resume, and I was like, I don't recall playing this, but I was in front of a character, and my character started talking to him, and I was like, uh, where am I at in this conversation? I was in a dialogue tree, and it's telling me to pick one of the dialogue options, and I'm like, um, I don't know what to do here. I, I had no idea what was going on. Anyways, uh... I love, I still love the traversal in that game. It is so good. It is Breath of the Wild-esque, like just being able to climb anything anywhere. It's so good. Uh, and I love that, like, this is the subtle thing, like, but it kind of goes back to the roots of Assassin's Creed a little bit in terms of, like, you get those one-hit assassination moves, which they kind of took out in uh, Assassin's Creed Origins and Odyssey, uh, where you couldn't use the hidden blade to kill people really quickly. Um, so I'm very happy that that's in there and, and stealth kind of plays another role in this game again. So, uh, yeah, I've been having a lot of fun with it and hopefully, uh, hopefully continue trucking, trucking along in addition to all my Halo Infinite challenges, of course. I am looking for an RPG to play. I, uh, the hubris that I have, I downloaded The Witcher 3 thinking I was going to play it again. And I got like I got like 40 minutes into it and I was like this there's so much ahead of me it's not even this is too much. So Assassin's Creed Valhalla I was thinking about jumping into that. Um I do like that stealth is making a comeback because that is kind of what the series was based on, right? So yeah. Um that is exciting. I like that. Um Rashan, what you got for me? Oh god. Sorry, I had to cough again. Um, it's just I'm so high up on this hill. The auction is really right. low here in the history region. Right. Uh, as you can see in the background, that's Mount Coronet there, as you may have known, uh, being a Pokemon fan. I'm sure both Naturally. of you are. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yes, as you know, I am playing Pokemon Legends Arceus, and it is the first open world Pokemon game ever. And uh, I think it delivers on that front, at least. I'm enjoying it quite a lot. Um as of now, I have captured quite, I, I don't think, I don't know the exact number, but over 100 at least Pokemon. But there's a lot more to catch. Gotta and catch them all. I think this, gotta catch them all, yes. Um, but speaking as a fan, I think this game is fantastic. Uh, like Pokemon-wise, I'll talk about as a gamer afterwards, but I think as a Pokemon fan, this is an awesome, awesome game. And it does so many things that fans have been wanting uh, from this series, from since they're like kids, I guess, like just imagining what this game could be if it was open world and if you were just throwing your Pokeball into seamless battles. That doesn't get old. I just love just being like walking around and then uh, crouching and then sneaking up on a Pokemon and trying to catch it or initiating a battle and then just being seamless. Like if I catch it, all right, great. Go on to the next one. There's like no menu that pops up beside like, oh, you, you caught this. But it's very, it's very Breath of the Wild where it's just like everything just blows into something else unless it's like a cutscene breaking things up but everything is so fluid and it's really cool um but what else oh, and the story is really i think is really cool i think it's more mature than what you what we really you usually get from pokemon games it is still a game meant for kids so you're you're not going to get like terrible mature deep stuff but as far as pokemon games go it is pretty mature and deep as far as those stories go. So I'm, um, I'm pleased with what the story, where, where the story has gone so far. Um, as a gamer, though, the graphics are pretty bad. It hasn't mm. taken me out of it, uh, per se, because I've just been having such a good time. But there have been many instances where I've noticed, like, wow, that bird is flying at 
two fl- two frames per second. Uh, it usually is stuff that's usually very far away, so it's not going to grab your attention if you're not looking for it. Like the Pokemon that are right in front of you are, are running just fine, but if you're looking off in the distance and you're like, "Oh, I need to catch that Pokemon," like, wait a second, what is that? It's like it's like kind of glitching over there. So you have those kind of instances that are that are happening every so often, but for the most part, it doesn't look terrible. Just in some areas are kind of kind of itchy and scratchy, I guess you could say. Nice. But, yeah itchy and scratchy itchy and scratchy yeah (laughs) um but yeah i i'm having a really good time uh with it i i have reached the end of the game i rolled credits but i have not beaten the game there's still a lot to do after you roll credits uh very quest based and you want to fill out your pokedex i think this might be the first time that i actually do that in the in a pokemon game i've always gotten close but i've never actually done it um but yeah i'm having a blast if you're even just a little bit of a pokemon fan i would suggest checking it out maybe watch a few videos and stuff before deciding to dive full in but i think it's a really good game and i think everybody's criticisms that they have have of it is valid but i think this is a really good game and i'm so excited to see what nintendo does for like the next generation generation nine of pokemon if that's later this year or next year uh that if they carry over some things from this game into a more streamlined traditional pokemon game or if they just go back to what they're doing because pokemon (laughs) they usually take two steps forward and then the next game it's a one step back situation but i feel like pokemon arceus took like five steps forward so if they when they take that inevitable one step back it's not too far back hopefully Uh, so i'm very excited for the next game but as as for right now enjoying pokemon arceus a lot so yeah what's your favorite pokemon that you've caught Ru? oh that i've caught um Man, I, I I caught a toga 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 kick toga kick I think I that's don't remember right. the if that's not right but I, I evolved it into a toga kiss and that's one of my favorite Pokemon. Uh, uh, I haven't come a, well I have Typlosion as well but it's not the form that I light spoilers the I think anybody who's a Pokemon fan would know this by now anyway but light spoilers the final evolutions of the starters are different for the regions. So it, my Typlosion, my Cyndaquil evolved into a different version, which is super cool. I like it, but it's not the Typlosion I know. It's not my Typlosion. Or else I would have said Typlosion is the one my favorite. But uh, yeah, Togekiss is probably the fa- my favorite Pokemon that I've caught so far, without spoiling anything anymore, because there's definitely some crazy Pokemon in there too. Glenn, Glenn's asking you in the chat, how did you, or did you bring any other Pokemon from past games into this one? Or is that even possible in Arceus? I did not. I don't know if it is. I know there's an application called Pokemon Bank on the Switch where you could bring in uh, Pokemon from Pokemon Go and Pokemon Shorter Shield into those games, but I don't know if you could uh, do it in Pokemon Arceus. I don't see why not, though. I, 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 haven't, I haven't checked it out. That'd be cool. Um, have you guys ever realized that Gotta Catch Em All is, is uh, it's, it's a fun slogan if you're a human, but it's a threat if you're a Pokemon? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Kind Absolutely. of Pokemon games are kind of terrifying. If you flip the script a little, <laughs> yes. but I'm glad you're having fun um, in uh, untamed land, uh, capturing innocent creatures for your own. Will. <laughs> they kind sounds... of even talk about this in this one. That's why I mean, like with the the maturity. Of oh, it, do they like, actually? Yeah, a little bit. They do. It's like since it's like it's ancient times, they they're kind of more uh, harsh with their wordings in this world. So it's it's really cool how they they talk about it because this is like the first time we're actually catching them in uh in this game so it's really right. cool really cool that is cool um christian is not here but he did fill in 
his uh, section on the on the uh, document here, so I'm just going to read it out. It says, "It's a zombie game. Guess which one?" I, I because nothing that, is I think ever that was simple. His last week, <laughs> he was it Day- actually? Yeah, Daisy. We're gonna. Was he playing date? No, he's playing World War Z. Or World War Z. World War Z. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Duh. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Christian. I'm gonna assume that you're still playing that. In which case, I wasn't. I wasn't there last week to say hell yeah. World War Z is a great game. In fact, um. It, I actually think it was just a couple of days before that episode. You guys recorded that episode, but you saw me playing World War Z, and you were like, "Why? Why are you playing World War Z?" I was like, "Dan, it's actually really good." Um, so hell yeah, Christian, keep playing World War Z, and if you want to squad up, let me know. It's a fantastic game, and also I can carry you because I've got a super OP character, all the skills. Anyways, uh, I've been playing uh, The Long Dark, which is a fantastic indie game from a Canadian studio. Uh, it is a survival simulation game where you are stuck in the Canadian wilderness. There's been some sort of uh, crazy geomagnetic storm that's kind of brought on a quiet apocalypse. And you have to mainly just survive the elements. There's no zombies, there's no mutants, there's no bandits. It's just you, the cold, and the wildlife. And it is awesome. Uh, the game has... Uh, I actually had to look this up because... I thought the game released in 2016. It actually released in 2014. Um, came to Xbox in June of 2015, which is when I would have picked it up originally. Played the absolute crap out of it. Loved it. And uh, the game is still being worked on to this day. Seven years later. Um, eight years later, if you're counting 2014, when it released on Steam. And uh, it's a fantastic game. It's It might be one of the most atmospheric games I've ever played. Um it's daunting. It's it's. Uh, I was gonna say it's cold, but it's a video game. But if you feel cold when you play it, um, it's fantastic. It's it's not for everyone. It is it is one of the more slow paced survival games. Like this is the game where you're running out of firewood and you see a chair and it's gonna take you. You click on the chair and it says the chair take to take to break down the chair for firewood. It's gonna take two hours and you're gonna burn six. You're gonna burn three hundred calories and you've only got. You've only got uh, a thousand calories, so now you're now you're doing the math in your head. Okay, can I find food after I break down this chair, or am I going to starve to death in the wilderness? You got to keep your temperature up. You can sprain your ankle if you sprint on a on a on a slope, in which case you're not hobbling. And there's wolves to keep at bay. It's a fantastic game. It's not for everyone. It's super niche, but my God, it's beautiful. I love this game. Um, it's great. I, I jumped back into it because my friend played it for a, a Game Pass challenge, and I, I was like, I should I should re-download that, and it, I've fallen right back into it. It's yeah. so great. It's come such a long way, and kudos to the guys at Hinterland Studio, because like we said with with uh, Sea of Thieves, you know these big these big name games is easy to remember, but these guys released this thing on Steam in 2014, and eight years later they are still making massive, huge content updates. So good stuff. Dan, you look like you had something to say. Does this that, sound like your type of game? That that friend that uh, that that played it must not have been Glenn, because Glenn said in the chat, "Yeah, only if you like white watching paint dry." <laughs> you know what, Glenn? You're not entirely wrong. How dare you? How dare you? Um, it was not Glenn. Glenn would you could not pay Glenn a certain amount of money to play this game, that's, which is hilarious to me because he also worked at a call center for like more than a day. So I don't know how that works, but. Um, it's good stuff. I highly recommend if you're in, if you're listening to this and you like hardcore survival games, 
mixed with a beautiful art style and one of the most atmospheric games you'll ever play, The Long Dark is my recommendation. It's fantastic. Moving on to topic of the show for real this time. Uh, Topic of the show today is Sony has acquired Bungie for $3.6 billion. Sony, first of all, before I get into my uh, my little script here, you overpaid, my guy. Bungie's great. You overpaid, my guy. It's one studio. It's, it's one <laughs> studio for half the money that Xbox paid for Bethesda. And then they also bought Insomniac for like $100 million, which is pennies. So this is just that's just funny to me. But anyways, I digress. Topic of the show, Sony has acquired Bungie, the fan favorite developer behind the Destiny series and the first few Halo games. Uh, the best Halo games. Sony spent a reported $3.6 billion on the acquisition. The deal comes shortly after Take-Two's $12.7 billion acquisition of Zynga and Microsoft's $69 billion acquisition of Activision Blizzard, making January 2022 fucking insane for the video game industry. Um, so Christopher Dring uh, from Game Industry Biz, uh, he had an interview with Jim Ryan, and um, he's he was saying that the motivation behind Sony's acquisition of Bungie is to help boost their own abilities to make live service multi-platform games. Equally, Sony unlocks the potential uh, for Bungie to strengthen its technical capabilities and the prospect of taking its games to movies, TV. So clearly they're thinking about a Destiny TV series because that's the only... Let's go. That is the <laughs> only IP that um, Bungie has that's active right now. So clearly that's what they're talking about. I, I highly doubt we're going to get a marathon movie out of nowhere. Um, oh, I'd be down for it. An Oni anime? Oh. oh. <laughs> that would actually fit super well. Yeah. Um, and one last little tidbit I have to add from Chris... Christopher Dring, who says the deal was in the work for, was in the works, like we mentioned earlier, for the past six months. It's not a reaction to the Take Two, uh, Zynga, or Microsoft Activision deals. Uh, so, yeah, if you know anything about these acquisitions, that was kind of a given. But a lot of people obviously were trying to make a very shallow comparisons. Um, I, I love the, I love I love the lore. I love the headcanon these people that some of these people on Twitter have that Sony saw Microsoft by Activision and like Snotty was like, me, let's call Bungie and get this and buy you over the course of a couple months or a, a month or whatever it is. Yeah, that's not how it works. So interesting. I, I did not see this happening. Um, I wouldn't say this is to the scale of Xbox Bethesda because like I said, Bungie is just one studio, but I, I really, I, I don't, I don't see that natural history there. I know a lot of people think it's a, a good thing and I don't think it's, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing um, in terms of the two entities involved. I don't think PlayStation is a bad company and I don't think Bungie's a bad studio. I do have worries about consolidation like we touched on earlier in, in previous episodes, but it looks to me that Sony is also doubling down and investing heavily into their gaming uh, division. So my question for you guys for topic of the show with Bungie continuing to operate independently and publish games on multiple platforms, do we think Sony has a hidden strategy with this acquisition? Can we expect Bungie to lead or assist other teams in the Sony Collective to create a robust offering of multiplayer titles for the PlayStation ecosystem? Dan? Yeah, uh, just first, my initial reaction to this thing was, honestly, 
honestly as surprising as the Activision acquisition. It's not as big as the acquisition, uh, right. acquisition, but it was just as surprising to me. But with that being said, after kind of reading through what they were, were kind of detailing, like Bungie essentially detailed all of this in their blog posts, um, talking about like what this means for the future of their franchises and Destiny and all of that. And I thought this was kind of a, a, an important question. They were they put in their Q&A, Bungie has future games in development. Will they now become PlayStation exclusives? And they say, no, we want the worlds we are creating to extend to anywhere people play games. We will continue to be self-published, creatively independent, and we will continue to drive one unified Bungie community. And that is exactly what Bun- Bungie is and has always been. Even when they were owned by Microsoft, they were still they had that kind of mantra and that's kind of yep. why they wanted to leave microsoft because they wanted to continue that and don matrick at the time i think was driving something else towards them so they're like no we don't want to do that so uh i think inevitably that's why they ended up uh, separating ways with microsoft so that's why i think to lead back to your question i think that sony made this acquisition for a monetary benefit because obviously destiny makes so much money i'm sure from their live you know their live events and their live content in the world they have their seasons they have their uh, expansions with witch queen coming out very soon uh, i'm sure rose very excited for that oh, yeah, so but excited. yeah it's just uh it makes sense in, in multiple aspects and I'm sure at the end of the day, after reading their comments in the q and A, I'm sure there's something in their contract that says, like, we are not interested in making PlayStation exclusive games. We want multi-platform because that's why they left Microsoft to begin right. with. They want yeah. their games to reach as many people as possible. So I think it, at the end of the day, I think it's a uh, monetary investment for Sony and very different than the Bethesda acquisition for Microsoft or, you know, other acquisitions that have been made Insomniac or, you know, all the other right. ones. Yep. I think, I think you're absolutely right when you say that, you know, uh, destiny makes, you know, millions and millions of dollars year over year. I mean, they've made thousands from Rashan alone. I'm sure. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, so this is big news for you. I mean, uh, it pays to have a destiny guy on this podcast now, because this is, yeah, it's again, <laughs> it's is, is equal parts, uh, big news and also small news because uh, it seems like not much is going to change, um, on the destiny front. Like they said, they, they don't have no plans of going, um, to exclusives and dan you're you're absolutely right when you say that bungie has always had its own community because back in the in the days of halo um it always felt like that it felt like being a bungie fan and being an xbox fan were two different things mm. they overlapped absolutely but it, they were two separate sort of things right it did feel like it had its own community there um shout out so to the bungie.net forums absolutely um rashan how does this make you feel as a Destiny person? And do you think this is solely a monetary um, sort of uh, an investment where they just want to, you know, passively take the income? Or do you think that they are um, have plans to sort of take the experience from Bungie, Bungie and lend that to their other? Yeah, I think I think it's all of those things. I think Bungie, I think PlayStation definitely wants a piece of Bungie's cake with uh, the Destiny aspect. Um, just today or yesterday, Bungie announced that Witch Queen got uh, at least a million pre-orders, and that's as of now. So you can only Crazy. imagine that's going to continue up until release. 
Right. So people are still playing this game like a lot. Um, we are getting close to the end of that uh, 10 year promise that they gave us in 2013. I think we have two more years until that 10 year thing is over. So we're coming to the end of Destiny, as they've already talked about in their like live streams and stuff like that. Um, so yes, Bungie, uh, PlayStation uh, definitely wants the money <laughs> in that space. But I also do think, as you said, I don't think a lot is going to change with Destiny, but maybe hopefully it changes for the better. Like the resources that PlayStation can provide uh, Bungie to make a better experience and the other way around, because recently I think uh, Sony announced that they want to be making a live service games and they announced that they're going to be making six or like a crazy amount up until 2026. Like they have in mind to make a bunch on up until that year and who else better to partner with and who the, the people, the company that has been absolutely killing it in live service games better than anybody else since 2013. So I think it's a great, partnership if that's the way that playstation wants to go or the games that they're trying to make um bungie is a great person to uh to collaborate with so i i hope playstation's money <laughs> can help destiny become better in its last few years and i hope bungie can help playstation make some great live service games for when destiny ends that i have somewhere else to go I... go ahead I, I was just gonna say and that's not to be underestimated ro like the fact that sony is funding them now like that's financial security for bungie like that's a huge deal for an independent studio so uh that absolutely is fantastic and uh they've already talked about how that's you know causing them to be able to hire more people to work at bungie which is fantastic so yeah, yeah. one of my favorite streamers uh t-rex who has been playing destiny since it came out uh recently got a job there and i was so happy for him he obviously he can't stream destiny anymore we can still stream but yeah, it's awesome that they're able to hire some people out there and, and people that are huge fans of the game. Heck so yeah. it's only going to make a better experience for us players. Awesome. Uh, I, Rashan, I think you worded that perfectly, where uh, Sony is now going to be able to um, help uh, Bungie with giving them resources and giving them uh, financial security and allowing them to hire more uh, people and, and accelerate their game development process. And then at the same time, Bungie is now going to be able to lend a helping hand to Sony because we we do know uh, aside from Sony recently announcing their plans for live service games, it's been clear that they've wanted something. They want. I mean, that's the one thing that Sony lacks is exclusive multiplayer uh, projects and then also multiplayer live service projects. So this is huge. Um, I think again, I still am convinced that the Last of Us Factions Two is going to be something like this just from how long it's been delayed and how long it's been they've been working on it and how secretive it is. So to me, I I think that this is a, this is perfect. This lines up perfectly in that they're going to have like you said, the most successful live service game. Uh the people who made that game now being able to lend a hand to any of their studios or to share with them their logic or their even their behind the scenes like back end systems of this is why this works so well and this is how we've figured this out. I think that is that's that's huge for them and that's exactly what they want and that is why they overpaid for bungie um 3.6 billion dollars got like that that's i feel like a lot of people aren't talking like it's it's strange because like you said dan i think um this is just as surprising as the activision blizzard not because it's as big but because it's just as unexpected yeah and um so a lot of people are talking about that but i i think because of that this has just passed people by 3.6 billion dollars yeah. for 
studio that self-publishes their games. That's nuts. I will say it is interesting because we don't really know what Bungie's financials are because they're not a publicly traded company. Yes, so, they are private. Like, we don't even know necessarily if this was a great value for Sony. I'm... I'm assuming that Sony's done their, you know, research and they're like, man, if we spend this X amount of money, we'll get a return on investment of this much in so many years. So I don't know. I, I, I honestly don't know what Bungie's worth. And I guess, well, now we do know, I guess, because, you know, they paid that. So that's what they're worth, I guess. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, in, in the most in the most broad terms, absolutely. Now, yeah. there is the strategy. I mean, there's a great scene in the classic Django Unchained that talks about this, where if you're trying to buy the cow from the farmer, he doesn't want to sell the cow, you buy the farm, <laughs> which is which is what which is absolutely what Xbox did with Bethesda. Again, I don't think Bethesda's worth seven point five billion dollars. I think it's, but they wanted that, so they paid more to get it. Um, and I, I think that's probably what happened here. I don't know if three point six is exactly what they're worth. I think Sony, again, because this is the thing, right? Is that it, them? Like you said, Bungie has a history of wanting to be independent. So for all we know, Sony came to them with an offer and they said, no, no, we don't want to. Be, we want to be independent. So then Sony comes back to them and says, well, we really want you not just for the monetary gain that we'll get, but also for, like we said, other things like your talent and this, the areas that you guys specialize in. Then they come back with another offer and so on and so forth. And that's probably how we get to this number. Um, but yeah, I think I think Sony is going to be absolutely thrilled to have this deal go through and to have them. And like we've said, I think they're absolutely going to capitalize on this on what they specialize in, which is live service, because that is the one area that Sony has been lacking in years. And um, this is my own personal theory, but like I said, I do think Last of Us Factions is that type of game. It's their Last of Us is one of their biggest IPs, right up with uh, Uncharted. And I think it would be silly not to try and turn that into a longevity because. Yeah. To me, at, at this point, with how long we've, how long this game has been delayed and how little we know about it, it's clearly not a deathmatch mode. Why would, why would it take that long? I yeah. think it's something more. So I think, I think to me, the pieces line up for this. But that's just my own personal theory of what factions is going to be. And I think that if factions is what I think it is, this is going to be a huge asset for them. So on the back of that gauge, Christian put this in our, our team chat and uh, he wanted us to talk about this as his contribution. Does Sony put its live service games on Spartacus day and date, which is Spartacus is their code name for their uh, live, their um, place or Xbox uh, Game Pass competitor. Um, right. So like Destiny expansions, Tsushima multiplayer factions, etc. He said, because that would certainly incentivize me to try all these multiplayer proponents of games, especially for those that are buying into the Spartacus ecosystem. And I, I think that uh, if the rumors are true about the multiple tiers of Spartacus, I think it's totally plausible that, you know, in either the middle tier or the upper tier, you get these multiplayer experiences or maybe in all the tiers. Like, how crazy would that be if these games are like not necessarily free to play, but like you're in the lowest tier. So they kind of give you other avenues of revenue um, by just bringing people into the experience. So it's, yeah, I, I could see that for sure. Well, and, and as we know, like um, destiny, like you say, makes, makes no, no doubt makes millions year over year over year, probably maybe even hundreds of millions. We don't know. Mm. Um, certainly tens of millions i'd say and that's not from box sales right that's from you getting into the game 
and then having all these things to spend money on and all these expansions and DLC packs. And I, th I think Destiny does battle passes now, if I remember correctly, some sort of system like that. So I think Christian's absolutely right, is that, and, and you as well, I think that I do see them offering stuff like this even at the lowest tier because it doesn't matter if they're missing that $59.99 sale. If you're in that game and you like it even a little bit, you might buy that $10 battle pass and then the next month you might buy it again. And actually maybe there's something in the store that you like. So I think that's an excellent strategy. I think Christian's absolutely right. And I think you're right. Um, if Spartacus comes out and whatever it ends up looking like, I do see them putting the properties that they own, at least the multiplayer, uh, putting it right on and giving you access to it because then they have the chance for the player to spend more money in once they have access to that game. Well, I think that's it then, folks. <laughs> um, yeah, lot, lots to talk about, lots to think about. 2020, ugh, 2022 has been nuts. We're not even... We're, it's February 2nd. Yeah. Like, Holy what? Heck. what uh, Crazy. And, and this isn't the end of it, right? We have, other, we have another acquisition on the horizon. Who knows what it'll be? Yeah. Um, my lord. This has been episode 124 of Podcast PXM, ladies and gentlemen. It's a weekly podcast where we come here and we talk about video game things. And Dan's wrong a lot about Halo. And uh, we correct him and we, we put up with him and we try and steer him, you know, uh, where he needs to go. But you'll have to tune in next week to see if our if our efforts are fruit. <laughs> I have been your host. <laughs> I have been your host, Gage Andrew Dempster. Joined by the lovely Dan and the ever magnificent Rashina. Thank you for joining us. God bless. Stay safe. And God bless America. <laughs> much love? Much love! Oh, yes, yes. much love. No. And, and and keep on gaming. Keep on keep on rocking in the free world. And um remember to vote and stay in school. And all right, we're cutting it. Rose, I see you so we can get out of here. I've never seen your face this red. I've never seen your face this red. We have an actual outro. Thank you again for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. We're live every Wednesday. All right, we're live every Wednesday. We're on YouTube, we're on Twitch, we're on Twitter, and other places too. Spotify, probably. Yep. Maybe not live. Probably. Not live. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Microsoft Podcasts, SoundCloud, Zoom, and... <laughs> Microsoft Teams, <laughs> Skype. I don't even know. We are <laughs> live on Skype every Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. Oh my gosh. I'm totally cutting the audio way before this game. <laughs> Oh, what are you, what, this is the best outro. This is this is gold. This is, <laughs> wow. this is golden. I just I'm I'm blown away by that outro. That Thank was, you. Uh, I appreciate that. Wow. <laughs> <laughs>